You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. Today we have a very exciting opportunity. I'm, I'm excited that you're here, and I'm, I'm sure in a few minutes you'll understand why. Uh, we're blessed to have Josh Butler with us. Uh, and if you haven't met Josh or aren't familiar with him or what he does... I'm not going to really tell you because he'll share a little bit about uh, who he is. But uh, Josh and his family are, are local missionaries. So they serve in Lethbridge and area um, as missionaries. And they do different kinds of things with their ministry. Uh, but I really believe in and love who they are and what they're doing and what they're all about. They have huge hearts for Jesus. And anyways, so we just... We've been in touch with Josh a couple times, saying, like, man, you got to come back and share with us and tell us how you're doing and what you're up to. And, and uh, I, could tell, I told him he could say whatever he wants. So. And then he was like, well, that's a bad thing. But, no, it's not. We're very, very blessed to have you here. Uh, so I'm just going to hand it off to you. Is that okay? All right. All right. Thank you. Can I, can I be heard? I can be heard? Okay. Um, yeah, that's a lot to live up to. You're hyping me up. Now I have to try to not be nervous and actually be coherent. Um, yeah, so to, uh, I guess, finish off his introductions. Oh, is this that thing that I get notifications for every week? I'm going to be live. Yeah, sure. Do you, like, keep them? Like, is there going to be, like, a permanent record of this? Oh, darn. Oh, just on your, okay, that, that, that's better, I guess. Um, just to kind of finish off that introduction, um, for those of you who... I was informed that there's uh, a lot of new people here, or if you just don't remember me. Uh, yeah, I am a missionary. We're, uh, we're with an organization called Interact Ministries. Uh, Interact is an organization, if you've never heard of it, that works among indigenous people in three areas, uh, in Western Canada, Alaska, and Siberia, which is the weirdest combination of areas ever, but I just think that we're just really bad at saying no. I think that's just our... They're like, you want to go to Russia? Yeah! Um, we're primarily a church planting ministry, but again, we're, we're really weird and complicated in how we define that. So if you, if you want any of our, uh, our missions literature, uh, I have that. You can ask for it uh, later. And if you're like, what the heck do these guys actually do? We're church planters. We just don't say it like that because I don't know. I don't make those decisions. I just work here. Um, so, for, uh, yeah, we, we work here in Lethbridge. Uh, we're working amongst the Blackfoot people, specifically the people on the Kainai or the Blood Band, the Blood Reserve. Uh, and our ministry is predominantly one of uh, listening and learning uh, to the people so that our evangelism and our discipleship uh, can be relevant. Um, uh, my personal vision is to work alongside the local believers uh, to plant churches, many churches. I think we should have lots of small churches um, and be more in a training and facilitating role. I, I don't want to pastor any of the churches that we plant. I want to help to help the local leaders to uh, reach out to their own people in their own community. So if, uh, if you'd like to pray for us, uh, that's something that you can pray for us, and we're, we're uh, pray for those leaders to rise up. We got a lot of a lot of people who are are very excited about God right now, and really want to serve Him, and uh, want to reach out to their their people. And so we're just not at the point yet where uh, we're ready to go out and actually get people together. So if you could be praying for that, and also just for uh, 
The native community in Southern Alberta, in Lethbridge and area in general, this, this past several months have been a really rough uh, few months. There's been a lot of tragedy in the community. Uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, people have passed away in the past several months. Um, and so there's just a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt in the community right now. So if you could just please pray for them and, and pray for the, the leaders who are going to eventually become part of that solution as well. Um, also, in our personal life, um, I have a wife and two kids. They're not here, um, which is probably better because my kids would have destroyed this place by now. Um, I have two boys. They're four and two, Asher and Elliot. Um, and uh, my, my wife, they're, none of them are here. Uh, my wife's, uh, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer uh, last July. And so since then, our life has kind of been a little bit crazy. And uh, my, jo- my, my joy, Lynn, my, <laughs> my wife is the oldest daughter in the family. She has seven siblings. Um, yeah, her, her dad's a pastor uh, and a Baptist. So, you know, there you go. Um, so she, she has seven siblings and she's the oldest daughter. And so she's kind of really taken on the role of, uh, helping out with, with mom and with dad and with her younger siblings. And so I haven't seen her much, but it's okay. Cause she's, she's being a good daughter. Um, and my boys, I got bailed out by my mom this week. So, which is good. Cause I was drowning with my two boys. Um, I love them, but I don't have as much energy as they do. Um, so, so please pray for us uh, with that. Um, Joylyn's mom is currently in palliative care. Um, they've stopped treatment, so that's kind of where we're at in that. So if you could be praying for us and for the whole family, that would be great. Okay, so I was asked to speak very generally on missions as it pertains to the local church, the local believers. Uh, what Blair said, one of the things that Blair said to me in the email was, what needs do I see that Christians can serve to advance God's kingdom around here? So, uh, so I'm here, that's the subject I'm here to talk about. And so what I want to start with, though, is the things that I don't want you to take away from this morning, because I feel like it's easier to like start with the what you shouldn't learn, and then we'll, we'll do the other stuff. Um, so the first thing is I, and I'm sorry if this hurts anybody's feelings, I really hate the uh, we're all missionaries bit. I just think it's dumb. Um, I think I think it comes from a good place. I think it comes from a place of trying to uphold the the, the uh, priesthood of all believers. But I think in our attempts to do that, what we've done is we've just tried to turn everybody into a jack of all trades, tried to turn everybody into generalists. And then, you know, the thing about the jack of all trades is, you know, the full thing is jack of all trades, master of none. Um, I'm totally for specialization and teams. I think that's where strength comes from is from people who have very specific skills working together complementing each other and that's where i think that's where i think the strength of the church is and part of that is come from as i get older i am getting more and more comfortable with the fact that i am just not good at most things i'm just really bad at stuff um i am and if i'm not really bad at it i'm just mediocre like i'm a mediocre musician and I'm a terrible skateboarder, and I'm an okay dad. Um, but I'm really good at other things, and, that, and that's the thing as I've gotten older, is the thing that I've gotten uh, more comfortable with. I'm comfortable with being average in most of the areas of my life. I don't need to be special, <laughs> because there are areas in my life that God has gifted me. And, and, uh, and as I've come into those strengths, I'm just kind of cool that that 
that's it. Like God has gifted me in these certain areas and I can pursue those and I don't have to feel the pressure or the strain of trying to be these things that I'm just never going to be good at. Like I have so much respect for, for, for pastors because it takes me forever to put together a message. If I had to do this every week, it would kill me. Um, it, <laughs> I'm like, like you guys, I, I, I have so much respect for you because I would, I, it would, it would be the word. I, I just wouldn't be good at it. I'd be really bad at it. It took me like, it took me like weeks to come up with this. Um, <laughs> um, so God has gifted, but, and God has gifted me in ways, uh, that make me a good fit for the kind of ministry that I'm in. And some of those gifts are gifts that not everybody, not other people, other people just don't have. And, you know, everybody in here is gifted in different ways. And that's a good thing. We all have gifts that God has given us for the purposes of furthering the kingdom. But we're going to get into more of that later. So the other thing I don't want you to take away from this morning is that like, just because we're not all missionaries doesn't mean that anybody's exempt from uh, the call to further the kingdom. We are all supposed to be evangelists. Um, there's a guy named Ephraim Smith. He's a pastor, church planter, mission leader. Uh, I like how I said you were not all generous in that. Here's a guy who does it all. Um, uh, he wrote a book called uh, Killing Us Softly. If you're into that kind of reading, and, and he, he talks about, how, you know, what is, our, what is our call, the general call that every believer has. Uh, and so he, he, I pulled that. We're all evangelists from him. But what I'm saying that, what I don't want you to take from that is that if you're not, like, pulling in, like, Billy Graham numbers, like, if you're not, like, leading hundreds of people to the Lord every, every month, that, like, you're, you're doing it wrong. What I'm saying is that we're all called to share the gospel and make disciples within the context that God has placed us. Where we are and what we do, our day-to-day life, God is giving us opportunities and he has called us to, to be light in those areas. So uh, there's this one dude who's uh, come through our youth group uh, and he's, he, my notes say he's a little weird, but he's actually like really weird, which is okay because I don't think we'd be able to get along as well as we do if, if he wasn't weird. Um, but I had the privilege a few years ago of leading him to the Lord uh, and it was just, it was really exciting. Uh, and when I say that he came to the Lord, I don't mean that he became an angel. Um, he's still got some pretty serious sin problems. And the fun thing about being a Christian now, he's really open about it. He likes to tell people about how he's struggling. And I'm, sometimes it's like, dude, just like calm down a little bit. Um, but it's okay. We believe in progressive sanctification. So he's a work in progress. We're getting there. Um, uh, but when he, when, when he, when we let, when he, I led him to the Lord, immediately the first thing he started doing is telling everybody who would listen about Jesus. He worked at McDonald's at that time. He was working the night shift and his coworkers hated him because if you were working at the station beside him, you were going to get preached at. And that was just, that was just the way he rolled. And I started getting like phone calls and text messages at like three o'clock in the morning when he got asked questions that he couldn't answer. So I'm like waking up and like, Oh, what was one? There was one like out of Isaiah and I was like, okay, give me a minute. Um, but like in that time, if I, if I had come up to him and I'd been like, man, this is awesome. Like you're, you're a gifted evangelist. Like you're evangelizing people. He'd be like, what did you say? What did you call me? He just like, he didn't have any concept of that. He, he didn't even, he didn't even like think that there was an option to not tell people about his faith. This was his faith. And he was, he, if he believed that it was true, then he, other people needed to know. He just started telling the people that were closest to him. So, there, those are the things I don't want you to know. 
you, I don't want you to take away from this. But if you get anything out of this morning, what I hope you get is that, uh, that we are all called to be part of building God's kingdom here on earth. <clears throat> but that we're not all called to the same role. That God has gifted us all and placed us where we are for a purpose. So, um, we're going to get a little bit deeper. I'm going to drown this mic. Um, I'm going to borrow a concept that I learned from another missionary at a conference, and I would totally uh, credit him if I had any idea what his name was. Um, but I've, the, even the Internet doesn't know who he is because I've looked up his organization and I've looked up uh, that conference that I was at. And as far as the Internet is concerned, there was no keynote speaker for that conference. And so I don't know, like I don't remember him talking about China. So I don't know what happened there. He just disappeared. Um, but he had something really cool to say, so I'm going to use it. He was talking about uh, God's purpose for the church, and he said that God's purpose for the church is uh, GBR. The G being glorifying, glorify his name. The church's purpose is to glorify his name. B, to build his kingdom. And R, to reconcile a broken world to himself. So these are not my points. These are something I want you guys to just like kind of keep that like... Read it over a few times. Get it in your head. This is like the lens that we're going to be going through this morning as we go through other things. So what I want you to now we're going to go on. Uh, I'm going to take us through some things that hopefully will get us better to there. And that is knowing the knowing the body, uh, knowing knowing the call, and finding our role. So for knowing our body, knowing the body, knowing our body. That just turned into like high school. Um, <laughs> Knowing the body, uh, it's the church. So what is the church? You said I could say anything. <laughs> I'm going to try, I'm going to give a few, few kind of things of what the church is, uh, and try to keep it as concise as I can. It's, it's the gathering of regenerate believers, uh, both globally and locally. And it is the institution and the organism that God has established through Jesus, through his life, death, resurrection, and then later on through his disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit, all the way up to us here this morning. Um, so that is what the body is. But, and, and, but, but since we're talking about the body in light of missions and a body is made up of many parts, I'd like to take a moment to talk about the legs. And if that sounds weird, it's okay. I'm about to explain it. Uh, there was a missionary turned academic named Ralph Winters who way back in the 70s. I'm sorry. Um, to anybody who that wasn't very far away for you. Uh, he repopularized a concept that had been forgotten since the Reformation. Um, before the Reformation which I know I'm like a few months off from Reformation 500 and la, 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 la. But we're going to talk about it anyway. Um, before the Reformation, within the Roman Catholic Church, there were two structures that made up, two basic structures that made up the church. Um, oh, that's, oh, I thought that was me for a second. I was like, darn it. Um, so here, here, we're going to have a quick church history lesson. So history nerds like are going to be engaged and everybody else is going to fall asleep. It's okay. I'll wake you up at, when we're done. Um, before the Reformation, they, there was the, the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church had, had these two structures. The one structure was like the diocese or parish uh, structure. It was like the local structure. These are the guys who had overly colorful and flamboyant robes and did their thing in, in cathedrals. There was that, that group, and then there were the monastic orders. They really liked brown and shaving only part of their head. Um, and they were more mobile 
They were, and they often acted, they, they were basically the equivalent of missionaries within the Roman Catholic Church. They served in that function. They would often, uh, um, some of them, because there was multiple orders, some of these orders, they would go into a community and that was unchurched, and they would go there, and the first thing they would do, they would build their building, and they would build roads into the community, and then they would start farming there. They would teach the locals new and better farming techniques, and then they would bring the gospel into the community. Um, and so then, but, uh, and, and Winters, Ralph Winters, he, he uh, refers to these two structures as the modality, which is the church local, and the sodality, which is the church mobile. I'll try to use church local and church mobile as often as I can because I just, like, got it straightened out in my head which one's which. Uh, during the Reformation, though, the monastics uh, kind of received special attention from Martin Luther. Uh, he had a special little chip on his shoulder for them. And uh, as a result, uh, the emerging Protestant church kind of just abandoned monasteries and the monks and those, those religious orders. Um, if you don't know or need a refresher, uh, Martin Luther was caught in a thunderstorm and promised God that if he lived, he would become a monk. And then he became a monk, and then he got really angry at the monks. And then when he, he started a new church and told everybody the monks are bad. That's the really, really quick version. Um, and this actually, and, and so what and this ended up leading to is the Protestant church uh, got really, really focused on the local gathering of believers. Uh, and what this led to was a nearly 300-year period when the Protestant church just forgot to send missionaries. There's about 300-year period that's known as the Great Omission, where the Protestant church just forgot about the, the Great Commission. They just forgot that there were other people in the world that needed to hear about Jesus. And it wasn't actually broken until William Carey uh, brought about, became the father of modern missions. And actually, uh, he got a lot of flack when he was starting out, when he wanted to go and uh, do what he did. And part of the reason why people were so opposed to what he was doing is because people thought he was trying to reestablish the monastic orders. So they thought he was like going Catholic on them. And that's why they opposed him. It, it, it was it was less about it, it was they were so concerned about separating themselves from the Catholic Church that they were just kind of willing to let other people perish without hearing the gospel. Um, so, for all you church history nerds, that was just fun for you. For the rest of you, you can wake up now. Um, we're gonna move on. So. Winters and many since him within the missions world and, and, and the general Christian world uh, see these structures as an equal and necessary part of fulfilling the Great Commission uh, found in Matthew 28, which is go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. I'm a, I'm a missionary, so I can't have any service where I don't say that. Um, so each of these, each of these structures, they, they each serve an important role in furthering the kingdom. Uh, Winters, he defined modality as a structured fellowship in which there is no distinction of gender or age and sodality. So that would the modality, that's the church local. And then the sodality, the church mobile as a structured fellowship in which members membership involves an adult second decision beyond local church membership and is limited by either age, gender, or marital status. So basically what he said, there is a local church that is for the nurturing and the teaching uh, of believers. It's more generalized in scope. It's a little bit more inclusive. Uh, it's a place where everybody's welcome. It's meant for, it builds, it establishes, and it preserves. 
And then there is a mobile church that is flexible. It crosses barriers. It specializes to specific ministry. And it often is what is the catalyst that starts new modalities and new sodalities. Um, so though we're talking mainly missions, uh, so I don't lose you entirely, uh, sodality, the church mobile, uh, doesn't always have to be our traditional definition of missions. Um, this is, this is kind of anything that is, uh, specific and specialized, uh, so a soup kitchen, a youth drop-in center, uh, Christian counseling, um, and even can include like uh, Bible college and seminary teachers. Like these people who have very specialized roles within the kingdom, that is, that is the church mobile. Um, they're focused on specific tasks and skills. Um, missionaries are considered that because we, we pursue a specific people group or we have a specific, specific target, like planting churches. Um, if you want more in-depth look in that and you, you like books as much as I do, there's this book by a guy named Sam Metcalf called Beyond the Local Church. It's a really good one. Um, Sam Metcalf is the director of an organization called Christian Resource M- Missions. Um, and he's, he's a little bit kind of eccentric. I got to meet him. He's a little bit strange, which, again, is like, okay, I like this guy. Um, either way, these two structures working in unison uh, – Create a church that provides a place for believers to gather and worship together. It expands, it wins people to Christ and forms new places of worship for them. And then to, and together they, they share the responsibility of spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. So, again, that GBR. Glorify his name, build his kingdom, reconcile the world to him. So, no, that is the probably really dry overview of josh's ecclesiology um if you have problems with it i'm totally cool to discuss it with you i just got really excited about ecclesiology in the past year and i just want to tell everybody now because i feel like we don't really think that through often very much um so we've touched on this already with the great commission in matthew 28 again like i can't i have to like at least mention it a couple times i'm a missionary i i would you probably wouldn't invite me back if I didn't reference that. Don't worry. The Mother Teresa quote will come. <laughs> Just kidding. I really couldn't shoehorn it in. I tried. I tried really hard. Um, uh, uh, now, uh, like I said before, we're not going to all be missionaries. Just like we're not all going to be pastors. We're not all going to be Sunday school teachers. Um, because some of us can't learn to love children. <laughs> Not speaking from experience, I love my kids. My kids. Um, just, I'm kidding. Um, n- no one's called to do it all. Uh, in Romans 12, 4 to 8, uh, Paul says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Cool. Uh, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually, and individually members of, of one body, one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving to the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Being a Christian is being part of a team. It's being part of a family. Um, I was going to use a spinal tap illustration here, 
But I, I listened to the song again and decided maybe that was a bad idea. Um, and if you laughed, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but in, in the heart of that, imagine if after I'm done here, the worship band came up here. But instead of picking up their different instruments, especially that, that's a really pretty guitar. I feel like I say that every time I come here. Um, they all picked up the same instrument, like they all grabbed a drum, uh, a drum or they all picked up a bass and they all played the worship set with the same instrument. Like it might not necessarily sound terrible, but it would be limited in what it could do, right? Like there's only so much you can do with one, with multiple of one instrument. Not having that variety in the musicians, not having that variety in the instruments that are being used, the sound, the sound is just limited. It's just, you're, you're constrained. And being in the church is the same way. Uh, switching over to 1 Corinthians 12, 4, 14 and 20, Paul kind of almost is a little bit repeating what he said in, in Romans. But he says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand... I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the bo- in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The church's strength is in, <clears throat> is in its unity and its diversity. Um, back to Ephraim Smith and Killing Us Softly. Uh, he says, a privatized or individualized Christian life does not truly reflect citizenship in the kingdom of God. You know, church, you know, this isn't just, you know, me and, me and Jesus, but it, and it's also, it's not, this church isn't a social club. I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard that before. It's not a performance that you come and you, you, you consume. Uh, like Ravi Zacharias has said, we attend church, uh, not to worship, but because we are worshipers of God. You know, we are called to worship God, to glorify his name. This is supposed to be something that leaves this building. It's, it's in our lives, it's in our interactions with others, uh, that our worship should be, that our worship should be seen. And I, and I fear that this is the thing that really often holds back the church from furthering the kingdom and reconciling the world back to God, uh, because we tend to only view reconciliation with God as a, as a vertical experience. It's just something that happens between me, me and God. But it's not. It's, it's also horizontal. Uh, Jesus, Jesus says this in Matthew 22, 34 to 40, which I don't know if it's coming up there, but it's okay. We're going to sum it up. It's the story where Jesus is asked, uh, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, the first is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he finishes by saying on these two rests all the law and the prophets. It, it, it's a both and thing. You, if you if you love God, but you don't love your fellow man, you don't actually love God. And if you love people, but you don't love God, you're not really actually loving people. You know, it's, it's both together. So reconciling this world is not between me and God, just me and God, but between myself and the people that I interact with, the people I encounter in my life. Uh, Jesus goes into this again earlier in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Where he's, he's, uh, he's the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about anger, and he says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, 
and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So he's preaching that before you can, before you make yourself right with God, make sure that you're right with, with your, with your brother. Make sure you're right with other people. Uh, and the church, the church should be the source of reconciliation in this world. Like, I, I really, really believe that with all the division and the hate that is present in our world right now, the only answer, the only path to reconciliation is the gospel. And, and we're, we're the messengers of that, uh, that message. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. once said that 11 o'clock a.m. on a Sunday morning is one of the, if not the most segregated hours in America. And I'm not convinced that that has changed at all. Uh, I've been reading a lot lately that uh, black people in the United States are leaving the predominantly white churches at alarming rates and have been since 2016. That you, as much of the little tiny bit of progress we've made in this, we're, at, we're losing that progress now and the church is resegregating. Um, even uh, at the MLK 50 conference that was put on by Gospel Coalition, that was a couple months ago, um, uh, Matt Chandler, it's funny, and I'm going to say the Martin Luther King Jr. 50, 50th anniversary conference, and I'm going to talk about the one white guy who spoke there. Um, sorry. Um, didn't actually connect those dots until right now. Um, he, Matt Chandler, he's a popular white pastor. He was talking about race in the church, and, uh, and he, he addressed pastors in his message, and he said, white pastors, you have to say something. I know what I'm asking. I'm not going to get fired for saying these things. I'm not. You might be. And that, that's the state that our church is in in North America right now, where if you talk about these issues, you can get in trouble. That's why it took me five drafts to make this message, because every time I wrote it, I'm like, man, that sounds really angry. Or, man, that might be a little bit too offensive. And then I eventually got to a place where I'm like, man, that hurts our feelings. Okay. Um, <laughs> You know, if the church is not doing its part in reconciling, reconciling, because I think this, the church is, is God's instrument. It's what God put on earth to do that job. If we're not doing that job, nothing else is going to do it. Like nobody else is going to be able to do it. It, it is, it is the power of God who will bring, that will bring reconciling. And if we're not a part of that, it's not happening. Um, like right here, we live right next door to the largest reserve in Canada. You have three Blackfoot chiefs on the side of your building. <laughs> you got you got Red Crow, I think that sits on tail feathers or sits on eagle feathers, and and Crowfoot on the side of your building here. The the three chiefs who Blackfoot chiefs who signed uh, the Treaty Seven, right on the side of your building. Like it's here. <laughs> um, and from what I could find out, and, and if you know better stats than I got, that's great. Please come tell me so I can change it later. At any, at any given time, there's more than 10,000 indigenous people in this city at any given time. That's like over 10% of this city is indigenous. And even more than that, over a quarter of this, the population of this city are immigrants. And by immigrants, I don't even just mean like people who aren't well, like we're the only there's only 10% really that aren't immigrants. But that's a different subject. Um, like 25% of the population of, of Lethbridge were not born in this country. Um, and I'm not trying to say that you need to go stand on a soapbox and preach, uh, that you need to go like seek out people in the park or something. Um, um, 
or, or like have a public apology for the actually like incredibly dark history of this area. Um, what I am saying that like if, if you want to be part of furthering the kingdom of God here in Lethbridge, uh, there are people that we brush shoulders with, like that go to school with. Uh, we, we see them at work. We walk past them on the street or in the mall or at Walmart. Mostly natives at Walmart, which is a joke that only native people would get. It's okay. Um, um, but what, I, what I'm asking is, what can you do to love that person? Uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be ethnic. Like there's, there's people in, in this city that feel like they've been burned by the church. There's Mormons and, and, and former Mormons. There's university students. The, the, all those people need to be reconciled to God as well. But I don't want to, I want to, I want to say that, but I don't want to say that in a way that takes away from the, these issues, like these actual serious social issues of reconciliation. Because one of the hardest things about what we do is that is how many native people in this in this t- city have experienced racism you know i most of the people i know when they walk down the street they wear earbuds so that you don't have to hear the things that are yelled at them from passing vehicles um a, cu- a couple kids that i know even you know they they just like they just know like you're walking down the street and somebody starts slowing down on the street beside you you just kind of put your head down and you just like ignore them and you turn up your music so they saw this coming, and so that's what they did. They're all kind of like heads down. They're just like not, not paying attention. We're just going to keep walking. And when the guy realized that they weren't reacting to his insults, he threw his Big Mac at them and hit one of them in the side of the head. Um, uh, I know people who won't go to, Native people who won't go to church because they've gone to church and the greeters have passed them to go to another white person. Um, and then they've gone and sat down, and the people who were sitting beside them got up and moved in Lethbridge. Um, I, I know young men who have cut off their long hair because they've gone to school and non-native uh, classmates have mocked them or pulled on their braid. And so they've just come back to school the next day and it's gone. Um, I even was uh, hanging out in a restaurant with uh, one, of the fifth, one of the young guys. Uh, he was 15 at the time in our youth group. And a man came up to us and started yelling at him and threatening to assault him and call the police on him, which seems like backwards. I feel like if you're going to assault somebody, you probably don't want to call the cops because I feel like you're going to get in trouble. But because the kid had his hood up, it was raining that day, so he put his hood up. And apparently that was enough to make him a viable target for being an idiot. I don't, I don't, I didn't understand. It was, but that's just like, that's the experience here in town. Um, and uh, it's becoming, coming more and more to light and people are being more, more open about how, how the experiences that they have in this city. Um, but some, most people... They, when they see the church, they see the church as the last place they would ever look to for acceptance and reconciliation. And that's a tragedy. That's our job. So the question that remains in that is what role do we all play? Like, what role do you play? Uh, and I know people who beat themselves up over this for years and they never actually do anything there's they're just like consumed with like what does god want me to do and they just like they beat themselves up over this and they never do anything because they're so scared that if i do something and it's not what god wanted me to do i'll be disobedient and so i'm just i'm 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 standing at these closed doors which is always the metaphor that they use standing at these closed door waiting for one of them open it's like i've never i've never seen a door that like besides like i'm like Usually you have to like kind of walk towards them, like at least, like usually there's a handle, like try opening a couple of them. Um, the best advice I ever got in this was from a native pastor. Uh, this was like five or six years ago. 
Uh, we were just starting to get involved in ministry. Uh, we still had day jobs. And uh, I, I had an opportunity in each of the four uh, western provinces for ministry. I had people who were asking me to come and be involved in something in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. And I just couldn't decide which, I was like, I was doing this. I was beating myself up, like, which one is, should I go to? Like, if I go to this one, is, am I going to be in trouble because God wants me to be over here? And so at this conference, we were at this conference, and I sat down and I had lunch with this native pastor from Edmonton. And over the course of the conversation with the meal, I started talking about uh, sharing my struggle to kind of figure out what God wanted from me. And so I told him the, the, the four options that I had. I, I laid them out for him. I, ga- I gave him the pros and cons of each one. And, you know, I, I completely overwhelmed the conversation. And he just sat there quietly listening to me. And then when I was done, he, he, he gave me a three-word response. He, he just looked at me and he said, where are you? And what he, what he meant, what he said, is it, just as simple as that. He's like, he's telling me, like, well, you're in Lethbridge right now. So give your all into Lethbridge. Like, don't, don't wait to do what God has commanded you to do. You're there. Do it. Um, and if that wasn't the place, then that door would close, to keep on with that funny metaphor. And another one would open. Things wouldn't work out, and I'd be able to move on. Uh, you have no idea how many missionaries that I know personally or, or have heard uh, through the missionary world is weirdly small. Um, but how many people who have uh, they've been involved, they, they felt like something was missing, they've gotten involved with their local church, you know, they're involved with the youth group or, or worship, and, and they just they, they know God has something in store for them, and so they're pursuing it, and they're doing it in the local church, and they just like something doesn't seem right, and they can't figure out what it is, and they're just frustrated, and then a pastor, or and sometimes they are the pastor, or an elder comes to them, and he presents them with a, a missions need, or a need within the community, and these people go on, to join missions or to go into the mission field or to start organizations within their community and do these incredible things for the gospel. And they weren't sitting or they didn't, when they felt like God was telling them that they should be doing something, they didn't just sit there and like twiddle their thumbs and be like, man, I really hope God calls me into the throne room and gives me an Isaiah 6 moment, which I make fun of because I had a long time where I was like, man, I would really like that. Except for every time I read it, I'm like, no, I really don't want to experience that. Um... (laughs) But, like, they started doing something, and, 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 uh, and people recognized their giftings, recognized their passions, and directed them on and released them to new ministries. Um, in Acts 11, you can read near the end of Acts 11, that when the church in Jerusalem, which was still new at that time, uh, heard about how Greeks, non-Jews, in Antioch were coming to Christ, they sent off Barnabas from Jerusalem to go support the church, the planting the church in, in Antioch. And when he did, he went on his way. He picked up uh, Paul, who was still Saul then, and he took, him, he took him with him, and they spent over uh, about a year at least uh, planting a church in Antioch with these Greeks. And, uh, and then, like, we, we, Acts moves on, and then they come back to him in chapter 13, and in 13, the first three verses of 13, it says, now there, now there were in the church in Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart the, for me Barnabas and Saul for the work of, 
to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Uh, and, he, and, and this is where, this is why I think you need to know the body and the call to know your role. Because um, more often than not, uh, God has intended for you uh, it's not something you learn on your own. It's not something that just immediately just like gets dropped on you. It's often something that's confirmed by the believers around you, your, your local church body. Um, for myself, there were classmates and professors at Bible college who, who uh, much to my dismay at first, were like, you're, you're going to be in ministry, Josh. And I was like, shut up. And then it happened. <laughs> Um, but they, they started to recognize things in me that led them to, to encourage me down that path. They, um, and, and, you know, somebody like Hudson Taylor, who is like a hero of mine, obviously, because, you know, if you know anything about him, that'll just make sense to you. He famously, he's kind of the guy who like pioneered like doing this thing, like the missionary who goes around to churches and like speaks there. Like nobody really did that before. He was like the first one and he was like so charismatic and just funny looking that everybody was like, we want to hear that guy talk, which is really funny. I'm reading a biography about him and then nobody said nice things about him at first. They're all like, who's this little, little twerp? And then he comes and speaks and they're like, whoa, I'm like, that's great. Um, but he, he very fam- like he famously, he, he got people around him who confirmed his call to, to China and sent him off. People like George Mueller, who is another, another famous person within, within church history, who, who saw uh, Hudson Taylor and just was like, this is somebody to get behind, and, and got people behind him and kept him from starving in China because he was really bad with money, but really generous, but really did not care about feeding himself. Um. Whether, so whether we're to be the first decision people, the people who work to support our local churches uh, and the community that we live in, the people who are called to work here, or the second decision people who are sent out to the margins of the world uh, to cross barriers and share the gospel, we more than likely will find our place through the exhortation, through the correction, the love, and the relationships uh, of our, with our fellow believers. Uh, as we serve together, we will see the strengths God has given each of us and be able to encourage each other uh, so that we can serve God as, we, as he has gifted us. Uh, one of the things that's even focused my ministry and really, like, really focused our call because I, I, I've just been really excited in the last several months because I really feel like, I, I feel like for a long time in our ministry we were just kind of like treading water and we knew that there was a plan but we weren't really sure what it is. But in the last year or so, it's really, I really have a cemented idea of what God wants to do here, and it's so exciting uh, to me, even though it's just, it's, it, it went from like, this is amazing, I can't wait to do this, this is going to be so much work. Um, but I, I'm excited, but it came out of um, the affirmation and the admonishing of, of the people that I work with within Interact. As we've worked together, they've corrected me where I'm weak, They've encouraged me where my strengths are, and it has helped me to see better how to be more effective and, and, and what my role is in uh, bringing the gospel to the indigenous people in this community um, and be more effective here, just recognizing how God has gifted me. So I can't tell you what you should do, which might be disappointing since I was asked to come here and tell you guys what you can do to help further the kingdom. I can't because um, I don't, honestly, I don't really know you guys. 
Like, I, I know, like, not, not to the level where I could be like, hey, this is what you're good at, man. You have a really cool bass, though. I like how it's shaped. Never seen one like that before. It's really awesome. Um, uh, also, the, the, the last song you did, like, I really liked that song, and I never heard it like that. That was, like, really cool. Um, sorry, I'm getting distracted. I have ADD. Don't worry about it. Um, I miss my Ritalin. Uh, so I can't tell you what you, you can do. I don't know you guys. Um, but if you have a desire to see God's kingdom furthered here in Lethbridge or around the wor- world, what I can tell you is to get involved in your local church if you're not already. Like, find ways to plug in here. Find, I mean, it doesn't have to be an official setting. You know, just get involved here. Get involved with the people here. Start to fellowship with each other. If, and, and that's not just, like, getting here every Sunday morning. Like, you know, actually interact with each other, like love each other, be a family, be friends, be a community, and take the opportunities that God gives you to worship him publicly and daily, because he will give them to you, and he probably does. I, I recognize them by all those moments where I'm like, man, that guy needs Jesus, and I'm like, oh yeah, that was my, that was, that was my cue. I should have, like God gives us opportunities to, to, do, to do this, to share the gospel, to be these agents of change in our community. We need to take them. Um, you know, don't wait for God to give you a vision, not because he won't give you. I, I, I totally, I don't know what your guys' official stance here is on all that kind of stuff, but, um, I believe God will give you visions. I, I believe that is a thing, but I don't think you you should sit and twiddle your thumbs and wait for God to give you a vision. Like if you're moving forward, God's going to give it to you. Um, start where you are and, 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 and let God lead. You know, it's a common missionary saying that there's nothing magic about an airplane. Um, meaning that if you don't worship God, if you're not serving the church, you're not serving God, you're not, you're not pursuing, furthering the kingdom at home, there's nothing magic about that airplane. When you get onto the other side, you're still going to be the same person. You're not going to all of a sudden be more spiritual because you're in a different land or a different territory, which is funny for me to say because I'm a missionary and I'm literally in the city that I was born in and an hour away from my hometown, um, which is great. I get to be a missionary and keep my family doctor. It's, it's a good deal. Um, but there's nothing magic about that, that transition in, in, from, from just a member of the church to a missionary. You know, missionaries aren't, no missionary is special. We are all works in progress like everyone else. So I want to close by reminding you, how long have I got? Am I really over time? Okay, cool. I thought I was going to be like way over time. <clears throat> I want to close by reminding you that you can't do it all. Uh, we all have our own role to play. But I also want to leave you here feeling not, I don't want you to leave here feeling pressured into action. You know, worshiping God, serving Him should not be a burden. Um, if we serve God out of obligation, if we do things to further the kingdom because we feel like we have to, uh, we get nothing out of it and it's not even what God asked us for. Um, in Psalm 51, it says, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it you will not be pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And then again in uh, Hosea 6, 6, he's, uh, it says, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So that I hope that you are encouraged to serve God. 
but that you are compelled from the depths of your heart to reach out and love your fellow man, um, to serve the church and to worship the living God. Um, that you would seek to, again, glorify his name, build his kingdom, and reconcile this broken world to himself. Thank you. Let's pray. Um, dear God, I just want to thank you again for opportunities to uh, share the things that you're teaching me and the things that I'm learning uh, with other people. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this church and how they've supported us and been there for us. Uh, just thank you for this community and, and what, what, what's happening in it. Uh, Lord, I just... Uh, yeah, I just pray for the rest of our days and the rest of the week that we would go out and we would serve you, that we would do it uh, uh, not because we feel like we have to or because we were told to, but because we are compelled by our love for you to, to love the people around us. Um, I just pray for the divisions in our community and the things that hold us back. Lord, I pray that you would remove those, that you give us the strength to move forward and to reconcile this world to you. I thank you. Uh, I praise all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.